And I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. We're in a series right now, the third of of four uh, parts in this series, called Gospel Goodbyes. The Apostle Paul is on his third missionary journey, the final journey that we have recorded in the book of Acts. And he's getting prepared to go back to Jerusalem. He'd already spent several years in the city of Ephesus in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and he's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem. And as he's sailing past Ephesus, he takes a moment to spend a little bit of time with the leaders of the church at Ephesus. And we see just a tender, tender moment as he says goodbye. But it's not just a, a goodbye, a see you later. It's a warm embrace And it's a charge that Paul gives to the Ephesian elders. And that brings us to Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. Follow along as I read aloud. It says this. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life as of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to take care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you, everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. 
being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. We see here a tender moment that Paul has, and he's describing to the elders at Ephesus as he meets with them in the port town of Miletus, because he can't spend a lot of time there. Uh, he, He reminds them and he charges them with the task at hand. And Paul's going over something that he's leaving to the Ephesian elders, and that is a legacy, a legacy. As Pastor Hang mentioned earlier, February in, in the United States of America is Black History Month. And as I was thinking about people over the history of this country, black people that have left a great legacy for our nation. Uh, show you got, got an image here of Harriet Tubman. She was born Araminta Minty Ross into slavery in Dorchester County, Maryland, not far from here, probably around 1822. Uh, Her parents, uh, Harriet, who was known as Ritt Green and Ben Ross, they were both enslaved. She she was born into slavery. The Brodus family who owned her mother hired Harriet out and assigned her to do work, including caring for children, checking muskrat traps, field and forest work, driving oxen, plowing and hauling logs. And she suffered a traumatic head injury as a young girl, probably in the 1830s. And this caused, this injury caused a lifetime of seizures, headaches, and visions. So Harriet, she married John Tubman, a free black man, around 1844. And she changed her name from Araminta to Harriet and thus became Harriet Tubman. And what's amazing is that she escaped slavery and made it to Philadelphia traveling alone mostly under the cover of night in 1849. And and here's just the awesome legacy that she began to establish. After she escaped, she spent more than 10 years making secret return trips to Maryland. Think about the danger of those trips, huh? To help her friends and family escape slavery. With each trip, she risked her life. And her last rescue mission was in 1860. Overall, she led 70 people from Maryland to freedom via the Underground Railroad. And then when the Civil War began, Tubman worked for the Union Army. She first served as a cook and a nurse and then as an armed scout and spy. In 1863, she became the first woman to lead an armed expedition in the war, liberating more than 700 slaves. What a legacy. She was involved in the suffrage movement, fighting not only for the rights of women, but also for minorities, for the disabled, and for the, for the aged. And then she died March 10th, 1913, and today she's buried in Auburn, New York. What a legacy. So much risk, so much hurt, so much pain. But to use her efforts and the one life that God gave her to help people be set Free. I want to ask you today, what's your legacy? What's the legacy that you're leaving behind for the people that you know and that you love and that you serve? I know this, when I, when I read a biography like this of, of someone like this, I feel very small, <laughs> right? I feel very, very small to see what great deeds and so much courage that someone like Harriet Tubman displayed. But we're reading about Paul this morning. And it's almost like a biography that he's giving to the Ephesian elders about his legacy, what he's leaving to them. And, and he could have talked a lot about himself so that the Ephesians would say, hey, Paul, you're our hero. But that's not what Paul does in this story that we read this morning. 
And the big idea that I want us to see today is this, as we look at the life of Paul leaving a legacy, is this. The greatest legacy that any of us could have is leading others to follow Jesus. The greatest legacy that we could have is leaving, leading others to follow Jesus. What we leave behind after we're dead and after we're gone, after we might have to say that, that, that goodbye, that gospel goodbye is to say, I'm leaving you. And if you never remember my name, I hope you remember one person. And that person is Jesus. It's the greatest legacy that any of us could ever leave behind is the legacy of leading others to follow Jesus. We see here two commands in this, book, uh, this section of Acts 20 that we read here. And in verses 28 and 31, there's just two imperatives in the entire passage. The first one is this. Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock with which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And he later says another command, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. He says, pay careful attention. Be on the alert because he says, we saw it, we read it, fierce wolves are going to rise up even amongst you and they're going to try to destroy the flock. He's using this metaphor of the church. Jesus used it himself of his people as his sheep. He is the chief shepherd and he has assigned and appointed under shepherds to care for the flock of God. And so these elders had a great task, a great task. And Paul is leaving them this task. He's handing over the, the reins to them to say, it's now your turn to care for the flock. Paul gave these final orders, these commands, these charges to these, these men. But le what left them, what he left them was not just these commands, but his way of life, his example, his example. Paul exemplified to the Ephesian elders, the kind of life that leads, leaves a legacy that leads others to follow Jesus. This is how elders, we, we also call them pastors and overseers. That's what the New Testament describes them as. They're called to lead by example. It's the primary office of leadership in the local church. I hope you get to know the elders at Fairfax Bible Church. Some great men. I'm not referring to myself. I'm referring about some men that we just love here so much. Matt Rumbaugh, Dave Kelly, Will Johnson. We've got another pastor here, Hang Too. Just men who love you so much. Men that care for you. But, but as we see here, just like these Ephesian elders are receiving this great charge, so the elders that oversee your lives and oversee this church have a great charge. But I believe that this charge is true of anybody that is called to help others follow Jesus. How do we lead? Do we lead by force? Do we lead by demands? Do we lead by high standards? No, Paul shows the way you leave a legacy in leading others to follow Jesus is by example. Is by example. In fact, Peter picks up on this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Not Paul, but Peter now, but he says the same sort of thing. 
He says this, I exhort the elders among you to this church in the diaspora, probably not far from Ephesus, another part of Asia Minor. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Sounds a lot like Paul, right? Exercising oversight. But here's how you do it. Not under compulsion. Don't, don't feel like, oh, I'm obligated to do this and you roll your eyes. No, 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 but do it willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That's the legacy of one who is leading others to follow Jesus. They lead by example. And oh my goodness, as I see the American church today, boy, do we need some exemplary leaders. Leaders who are following faithfully Jesus Christ, just as Paul did, just as Peter did. Sure, we need to be taught what the Bible says, but we desperately need to be shown how the Bible is to be lived out. Do you have an example in your life that you could look to of someone that's faithfully taught you to left a legacy to teach you how to follow Jesus. I have somebody, and I want to just talk about him just for a moment here today. I've got a picture here for you. This is my, my mentor, my example. Uh, I would look to him as like my Paul that would speak to me. His name is Dr. Phil, Philip Howard, and that's his wife, Carolyn. Uh, that photo was taken uh, several years ago, probably uh, 20, 2019, I believe, in Hercules, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And he's holding a, a, a frame there. And in that is a declaration by the city of Hercules, not the Bible Belt, folks, okay? In the city of Hercules, and they're honoring him for his faithfulness. In 1972, I believe, he planted Valley Bible Church. I don't think there's too many of us in this room that were even born in 1972, right? He planted Valley Bible Church in the San Francisco Bay Area, and for 47 years faithfully, he led that church, teaching, preaching, exemplifying, loving. When I think about Pastor Phil, I was just thinking about it this morning. What are some things I can remember? remember I, I know about him. He's still alive. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago on the phone, but he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. He loves Jesus' word. He loves the Bible. He loves preaching and teaching. And he loves doctrine and theology because his heart was set on fire for Jesus as he learned the great truths of Scripture. He loves the local church. He told me there were times where, you know, people were asking him to come and teach here or go there. He loved his church and he stayed there. And he ministered faithfully for 47 years. And then he loves the lost. He loves people. He loves people. What a great legacy he's left in my life. Some of the things that I say up here, I don't always give him credit, but, but some of it I've, has come directly out of his mouth through me to you so we all can give thanks for the examples that we have in this, in this world, those that leave a legacy of leading others to follow Jesus. I hope you have the marks of others' legacies in your lives. Maybe it's a parent Maybe it's a small group leader. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a youth mentor. Maybe it's a pastor, a teacher. Maybe it's just a neighbor who loved on you really, really well. The legacy that's left behind. There's no greater legacy that can be left than leading others to follow 
Jesus. How do we do that? It's through example. And, and what we're going to see here today, because Paul, he's not, he's not giving a sermon. Paul isn't teaching a lesson. He's speaking from his heart to the Ephesian elders. And so we don't have just this linear uh, like uh, line of thought here. He's actually repeating themes over and over and over again. And so the way we're going to treat it this morning is we just want to look at three things that he exemplified and then a fourth that they shared together, Paul with the Ephesian elders. So let's take a look at the first one. The first one, the first thing that Paul exemplified was focus. Paul had a singular focus. We see it in verse 19. He says, I was serving the Lord. From the time I set foot in Asia and all the time that I spent with you, I saw it as service to the Lord. That's the focus of someone who's exemplifying leaving a legacy to lead others to follow Jesus, is that they see themselves as a servant, as a servant of the Lord. In fact, the word there is slave. I'm a slave to the Lord. He is a good, kind master. He purchased me and bought me and redeemed me out of sin and darkness by his precious, precious blood, and therefore I owe him everything. And so when I come here, I'm coming to serve the Lord. But how did he do that? Verse 19 says, I do it with humility with humility, not with domination. Friend, the kind of leader that you want to follow is not someone that has this super high standard and is barking orders at you all the time, but it's someone who's humble to say, we serve Jesus together and I want to call you and admonish you. I mean, we read it over and over again. Paul would say, I'm pleading with you with tears. Oh, I'm willing to get out on my knees. In 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we beg and plead with people to be reconciled to God. And so the first mark that we see of a servant of the Lord who is focused is humility. Humility. Oh, I, I pray that we would be a humble people. A humble people following our Lord Jesus. Philippians 2 talks about the humility of Jesus himself. He was in the highest place, the highest place in the heaven of heavens as the creator of all the universe. And yet he came in the form of a servant and emptied himself and he became like one of us. And he didn't just become like one of us. He went to death for us, not just any death, but all the way to the cross for you and me. Friend, that is infinite humility. And if our Lord, our master whom we follow, displayed that kind of humility, the kind of focus that we're called to have, if we want to lead, leave the greatest legacy that we could ever leave is serving the Lord with humility. Not only was he serving the Lord with humility, but Paul was serving the Lord as he was constrained. He was led by the Holy Spirit. We see it in verse 22 and 23. You see, Paul was leaving a legacy, but he couldn't leave a legacy by setting his own agenda. He said, my agenda belongs to somebody else. The gift of Jesus, my Lord, is the Holy Spirit given to me in my heart, and he's the one that calls the shots. Friends, if you want to leave a legacy, there are going to be times where you have to realize and you recognize that I feel like I want to go this direction, but the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit is leading me in that direction. That's the true test. That's the display of humility to say, my agenda is not my own, but it belongs to my Lord. Oh, are you following the agenda of the Holy Spirit follower of Jesus today in your life? That's the kind of focus that leaves a legacy. 
Paul says, uh, not only am I going in that course, but I've got to finish the course of my ministry, verse 24, that I receive from the Lord Jesus. It's not just enough to have a focus for a day or two days or a week or a month or a year, but it says, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm focused on serving the Lord Jesus. When I wake up, I have to train my soul, my mind, my heart. Matthew or Paul would say, I'm not here to live for myself today. I'm here to live for the agenda of Jesus day after day after day. We saw it last week. We got to live out in the everyday stuff of life, this commitment to Jesus. And then he says in verses 32 to 35, he says, I commend you to God. And here's the example of the focus that I want to show you. I didn't come to receive, but I came to give. And he says, he says this quote from Jesus, and I think he's summarizing all of Jesus' teaching that says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the kind of focus that a legacy can leave behind. A focus that says, I've come here to give, not receive. Are you known as a giver or a taker? A giver or a taker? I know I've been there. You've probably been there too in church environments. And, and people will come and people will go based upon, what does that church have to offer me? right? Was the singing good enough today? Was the worship the kind that I like? Was the preaching any good? Was, was, uh, were, was, were my kids served well? Friends, those are all wonderful things to look for in a church, but are you coming to serve and not be served? Are you coming to give rather than to take? That's the kind of focus that we have in serving our Lord Jesus. For he himself in Matthew 20 verses 26 to 28 says this about leaving a legacy as a leader, says this, whoever would be great among among you, he's talking to his disciples, must be your servant. That's where greatness comes from. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Jesus, that's a high calling. Who could match that? He says, I'm going before you. He says, even as the son of man, speaking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Coming in humility with focus, coming to serve the Lord That's what a legacy leaves behind. And that's what Paul's talking about. I didn't come here to be the hero, Ephesians. I came here to serve the Lord. Sometimes it's tempting to idolize people. We all have our heroes. And sometimes when we take our focus off the mission and start putting it on people who we want to put on pedestals, he causes us to lose our focus on the mission. If you've been following the NFL playoffs, if you've been watching a certain team that wears ketchup red and mustard yellow, you've been seeing that there's been these moments where you're watching the team on the field, and then when something successful happens, especially when a certain tight end catches a touchdown, what happens? The focus goes away from the player, and it goes up to the booth for a certain somewhat popular pop singer, and she's up there, and she's cheering, and she's having such a great time, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift, for crying out loud, all right? All right? Okay, good. I don't know if you have picked up what I was laying down there. But I think it's been amazing for me to watch can this team stay focused? Or can this somewhat circus that follows her because of her popularity take them off the track so that they're losing their focus? So far, so good. And we'll see next Sunday, right, if they can finish the job. But sometimes we we get focused on these people. Paul isn't here to say, hey, look at the legacy that I'm leaving behind. I've been your hero. 
I've been your everything. As I go now from Ephesus, you should build a monument to me or, or, or put a painting on the wall devoted to me or maybe devote this building that we've built together to my name. No, he says, I've come here with a singular focus. And that focus is on the Lord Jesus. I've come to serve him. Friend, if you want to leave a legacy that lasts, it's not about leading people to do what you want them to do, but it's leading others to follow Jesus. He is our focus. He is our focus. Not only did Paul exemplify focus, he exemplified faithfulness. Faithfulness. Verse 20, we see what, is, what was the job, what was the task that Paul, as a servant, what was he faithful to do? Verse 20 says, I went around declaring anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. That was his mission. He had a message to proclaim. He had a doctrine to teach. He had commands he had to convey to those who are following him. Leaders who are faithful are leaders who teach what is healthy for believers and, and followers in Jesus. It helps them follow Jesus. It helps them obey Jesus. I'm so grateful for our small group leaders that are here. They're not here to be your heroes. They're here to help you take those next vital steps in following Jesus. This isn't the, the these small groups aren't the Rumball cult or the Kelly cult or the Gurky cult. Or, no, 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 these are small groups led by people who are focused on serving the Lord and are faithful to you to come to Scripture together and say, what has the Lord Jesus commanded us? That's the mark of faithfulness. In fact, Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, he said, go and make disciples. And one of the ways you do that is you're teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's the mark of faithfulness. Will Fairfax Bible leave a legacy of faithfulness? Well, here's how you measure it. Are we faithful to the words of Jesus and to his commands? I love what Anastasia said in her testimony last week. We saw the video of it this morning. I pledge my full allegiance and loyalty, not to Fairfax Bible Church, not to the elders at Fairfax Bible Church, but to the Lord Jesus and to his word. That's who we give our loyalty and our allegiance to. And that's how our faithfulness is measured. And Paul is saying, I went around declaring and proclaiming to you, not my words, because my allegiance belongs to Jesus and he deserves my loyalty. I will be faithful to him. Paul's message, he was saying, verse 21, he says, I'm testifying of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes that faithfulness requires people to repent of their sin, to turn from their wicked desires and say, turn to the God who gives you life. That's a mark of faithfulness. It's not just talking about good things. It's calling people to commit to the things of Jesus. Verse 25, he, he talks about, Paul is saying, I'm proclaiming the kingdom. Whose kingdom? Is Paul saying, I've come because I'm setting up my own kingdom? No, it's Jesus' kingdom. In fact, verse 28 says, Jesus purchased this church with his own blood. With his own blood. Friend, there isn't an ounce of blood, a drop of blood that I have shed to purchase you, to purchase this church. The elders at Fairfax Bible Church, we have not come, we have not shed our blood to purchase this church. There's one whose blood was shed to purchase this people, and that's the blood of Jesus alone. It's his kingdom. We are loyal and faithful to him because he's the only one that paid the price 
for this church. Verses 26 to 27, Paul goes on to describe his faithfulness in kind of an odd statement. It kind of threw me off as I was reading it. It says, Paul says, I'm innocent of your blood. I'm innocent of your blood because I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. You know know what this says? It says that Paul saw that he was held to a high standard and accountability for how he was faithful to the mission of Jesus. In fact, uh, all elders, all leaders, if you're a leader, you're, you're called to this kind of accountability, but especially those who hold the office of elder in the local church. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey, church, your leaders and submit to them. Remember, they're exemplifying to you. They're not domineering over you. But obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I tell you, when I, when I meet with our elders, I, I feel it. We're those who have to give an account for how we lead you, where our focus is. Are we faithful to the mission of Jesus? It's weighty. It's heavy. I, I'm not just held accountable to the local governing authorities, though I am. I'm not just held accountable to a board, though I am. I'm not just held accountable to you, though I am. There's someone even higher than any of that. We, as God's people, purchased with his blood, are accountable to the Lord Jesus himself. And so Paul says, I'm innocent of your your blood. I won't be held accountable for this because I've fulfilled the mission. I've fulfilled the mission. I've been faithful to this cause. Not only was he faithful in that way, but he defended the flock against fierce wolves who would rise up, not sparing the flock of Jesus. Verse 29, and I love what he says in verse 31. I did all this faithfully, admonishing you, charging you, encouraging you with tears. There are tears all over this passage. All over this passage. Oh, to to feel the weight of love and devotion to Jesus, and a love for his people that would lead this great apostle to tears. Is it right to get emotional over one another? I think it is. To love each other so much that we would shed tears for you. One of the most tender things that I see here at this church is when people are praying for one another. When I see it in our small groups, I love to see it in our elder meetings. You know our elder meetings every single, every, excuse me, every other Monday that we meet. Do you know how it begins? It begins by praying for you. One small group at a time, each, each, uh, each meeting, we pray for you. And I know there are moments as we're not gossiping, we're just we're talking about, oh man, this brother's just been going through it. This sister's been hurting recently. We prayed for our students just a couple of weeks ago and there were moments that I could feel it in the room that tears that were welling up in our eyes as we pray for those that we're called to lead. That's a mark of faithfulness. Is there anybody in your life that you want to leave a legacy for that's worth crying over? Parents, are your kids worth crying over before the Lord? Are they worth tearing up for to say, Oh, that you would not give in to the temptations of this world, but that you would follow Jesus. I've been there, weeping. Parts of Bibles that I've owned, when I go back and flip over them, I could see stains of tears, crying and pleading out to God on behalf of those I love. 
That's what leaves a legacy. The kind of faithfulness to say, I'm willing to get on my knees. I don't just toss and turn at night because I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, but I actually call out to God with tears, with tears. This is the test of faithfulness. Do we proclaim, declare, teach, call people to obey what Jesus has said with enough emotion to say, I'm willing to cry over you in prayer, to cry over you in prayer. This is the kind of faithfulness that Jesus has called us to. If you've seen the the movie Prince Caspian or read the books uh, in the movie Prince Caspian that was out several decades ago, there's King Peter Pevensey. And in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he leads the charge. He leads the Narnians to battle, right, To, to, to face the White Witch. And he says, for Narnia and for Aslan, right? There's a loyalty to the king of all of Narnia, this lion who's named Aslan, but it stands out to me when I watch Prince Caspian, the movie, because King Peter, he starts to become a little bit egotistical, a little bit proud, and his faithfulness starts to wane a little bit. And you see it in a simple statement. He leads the Narnians hastily to take the castle. And you know what he says? For Narnia. For Narnia. Forget somebody very important. He forgets who Narnia belongs to. He thinks Narnia is his as the high king Peter. He forgets for Narnia and for Aslan. Friends, our faithfulness is not measured in how much work we do for our kingdoms, but our faithfulness is measured if we remember, I'm doing all this for my Lord. Not just for Fairfax Bible Church, not just for Matthew Nicosia, but I'm doing it for the cause of Jesus Christ and for him alone. That's what Paul is saying. My faithfulness has been measured in this. I've declared to you not my message, but his message for you. But it took one, a third F here from Paul. It took not just focus and faithfulness, but it took fortitude. Fortitude. We've already seen it. He's been talking about how much he's been crying. But he's not just been crying with tears. He's been crying through trials, verse 19 says. I've done all this for you through, through trials and tribulations. In verses 20 to 27, he says, I've come with this message that I know at times has not been comfortable for you. And I know at times it's been uh, absolutely blasphemous to those outside. They want to kill me, but I did it without shrinking back. I wasn't afraid to preach this good news message. Friends, there are times I get up here and preach, or any of us preach here at Fairfax Bible Church, and we come across a verse that we know is just countercultural, and it's tough, and it's going to cut, and it's going to examine and, and, and expose our hearts. And sometimes I feel like, oh, Lord, I, I might need to soften this up. And he says, Matthew, let my word speak. Oh, that we let the word of God speak and not shrink back. Paul said, I know you've got to repent of your sin. You can't just follow your feelings. You've got to repent of your sin and give your loyalty and allegiance to Jesus. It took, takes fortitude. It takes courage in the face of danger to remain faithful and focused to the mission of the Lord Jesus and to leave a legacy. Oh, friends, if we give up too soon, there's no legacy that can be left. We can't shrink back. And he says this in verse 23, the Holy Spirit's teaching me that no matter where I go, it's not going to be a vacation. It's not going to be a day on the beach. It's not going to be a day in the park. But every city that I go to, imprisonment and afflictions await me. How could he keep on going? Verse 24 says, I, I don't account my life of any value or precious to myself. 
Here's where the courage comes. Here's where the fortitude comes. Philippians 3, 7, and 8, we see the heart of Paul there. He says, whatever gain I had, whatever comforts I was counting on, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Read there, fortitude courage to keep going and to count them as rubbish, all those comforts, in order that I may gain Christ. This is the source of our fortitude. This is the source of our courage. If we want to leave a legacy, we got to go through some hard stuff. Why do we do it? Because Jesus is worth it. This is one of Harriet Tubman, and we saw just a few moments ago, it was one of her greatest characteristics. It was her courage. It was her fortitude in the face of danger to go right back into that land, a place where she was enslaved to go back and say, but it's not enough for me to stay here in my comfort. I've got to go rescue those whom I love, even at the risk of my life. Fortitude, fortitude. I wish it was easy to follow Jesus in 2024. Many days I say, Lord, I wish it was easier for all of us. I wish it was easier for those that, that we love, that we support globally. Uh, we, we see, in many ways, us Americans, we got it very easy. We look around the world and we see persecutions and trials and tribulations of all kinds. And what I love when I read stories is not because I rejoice that my brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in, in places like the Middle East and in Africa and Asia and other parts of the world, it's not because we love their suffering, but because we love to hear their stories of fortitude and of courage and focus, and a faithfulness in following Jesus. That's what Paul was demonstrating. That's what he was exemplifying. These three things in this passage this morning. Focus, faithfulness, and fortitude. But there's one final element that's not just shared by Paul. It's also shared by those to whom he was leaving this legacy. And that was fondness. Fondness. Love. Devotion to one another. I want to read this for you again. Acts 20, verses 36 to 38. And now just in this moment, put yourself in this room with Paul. Now, church history says that maybe these Ephesian elders did get to see the face of Paul again. But at this moment, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they doubted it. They did not think that they would see Paul's face again. And so put yourself in this moment. After all of this ministry of this man that you've loved so much, who's led you, this example, we read this in chapter 20, verse 36. And when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. That's what a legacy does. A legacy that honors Jesus does this to those that that actually want to follow. There's this fondness, this bond, this love for one another that's created in the hearts of the leader and created in the hearts of the follower to say, I'm here to bleed with you. I'm here to cry with you. Let's keep our focus on Jesus. Let's remain faithful to him. Oh, I've set the example of fortitude and courage before you all. And they said, Paul, you're demonstrating a love like we've never seen before. A love that, that transcends just here on this earthly plane, but it's a love that we have seen that has come right down from heaven through you to us, Paul. 
And I can just imagine the weeping, the cries, the hugs, the sorrowful yet hopeful faces of these precious Ephesian elders with their leader and apostle Paul who left them a legacy of leading them to follow Jesus. Many of you know what this is like. I've only been here for about mm, 20 months or so to be your pastor. But uh, this church has seen other pastors before. Uh, And I know this man, not as well as some of you do, but I do know this man, Jeff Hohenshaw. You've seen this. You've been there before. Back on June 6, 2021, because of COVID, I weren't meeting in this room for what I understand. And, and Pastor Jeff gave his final message to Fairfax Bible Church. And just this week, I had to go back and say, what, what was it like for many of our folks to have this moment like the Apostle Paul, to wrap their arms around someone who led them and is leaving them a legacy? Those tears, those cries. And by the way, as, as he was feeling this in June of 2021, I, I was feeling it myself in April and May of 2022 as I was saying goodbye to so many that I loved in California. But Pastor Jeff, uh, he, he preached a message called God is able. God is able. This was the text, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And in fact, it was the very first passage that he preached at Fairfax Bible Church. Because he loves you. And he left a legacy. This is a, just a, a quote that I, I, I had to write down as he was, uh, as I was listening to this, this brief message. He preached a lot briefer than I did, I guess. <laughs> this is what he said. For those of you that can remember this moment, he said, leaders, keep pointing this church to Jesus. Let's focus. Let's faithfulness. Open up this book. There's the faithfulness, right? the word, and saturate this community in the gospel. He's building his church, and he's working for his glory. That's some fortitude. He left a legacy for all of us behind to say, will you take up the torch and be faithful? Will you have focus so that the legacy isn't just left for a few months? And boy, friends, you did it. Many of you that were here in that year between Pastor Jeff and myself, I came here. I said, wow, what a legacy was left here for devotion to Jesus. Focus, faithfulness, fortitude through so many hardships. And you did it. And guess what, friends? Today, it's time to make a choice. Will we do it again in the future and again and again and again and again so that future generations will get to enjoy this legacy of leading others to follow Jesus. The greatest legacy that we could ever leave. I love what he said. One of the closing things that Pastor Jeff said this, tonight is not goodbye. In Christ, it's see you later. That's the hope we have. That's the hope that Paul had with the Ephesian elders. You may not see my face in this life again, but it's not just goodbye forever. That's what a gospel goodbye is. Did you know that? A gospel goodbye isn't a goodbye forever. It's a see you later because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We heard about it last week. God raises the dead. That's our hope. That's the legacy that we leave behind, the greatest legacy to lead others to follow Jesus. Just like the Apostle Paul, 
like Pastor Jeff, just like you, that you can leave that legacy for others to follow. I want to invite the team up as we close. What does this mean for Monday? I just want to ask you, what's the legacy that you're building and that you're leaving behind? I know many of you have just some fantastic jobs. You make a lot of money. You want to leave that as a legacy to your kids. Hey, you know what? Go for it. But guess what? We, we, we saw it today in this passage. It's better to give and not receive. There's a legacy that you could give to your kids and to your community that is far richer than a 401k, that is far richer than an estate or a trust plan. Do all those things, but all the legacy that you live for, that you die for, that you're focused on, that you want to be faithful to, that you want to show uh, fortitude in is this legacy of leading others to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus. I've heard stories and nightmares of kids and families that are left behind after parents who have deceased, that there's, there's fighting and bickering over the inheritance. Oh, friends, we could leave a much better legacy than money. We could leave a legacy to our kids, to our grandkids, to our brothers, our sisters, our small groups, our communities, our schools, our workplaces to say, the best thing that I could leave with you is to point you to Jesus. Are you leaving that kind of legacy? Is that how you're living Monday through Saturday to say, I'm living focused on Jesus? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for leaders and examples who've been in our lives. The legacies that they've left for us to lead us in following Jesus. Thank you for those who have gone before us, our examples who've shown a focus on serving Jesus, who've shown faithfulness to, to teach us his commands, who've shown the fortitude and courage to work through trials and afflictions and even times that we showed ourselves to be knuckleheads for us to say, no, get back on track. And oh Lord, I hope every single one of us has someone in our life that we'd say, oh, I almost break down in tears when I remember the legacy that that person left in my life because of the love of Jesus Christ that they showed to me. Lord, I pray for every single person here. Oh Lord, maybe there's somebody here that's only been living only for themselves all the time. The legacy that they want to leave back is maybe just beautiful sports cars and, and a big home and, and, and a retirement plan and big fancy vacations. Oh Lord, that will lead uh, nowhere. The kind of legacy that we want to leave pray that you'd open their eyes, that they would want to leave a legacy that is the greatest of all, leading others to follow Jesus. Make us that kind of people, not just Sunday, but Sunday through Saturday, not just in 2024 in January, but in February and beyond and beyond and beyond. We trust that you'll do that through us because Jesus has done that for us. What a legacy he's left. And we give him all the praise and honor. In his name we pray, amen.